from the Word of God. Thank you for being here. John chapter 21. And of course, a special day today for myself and for my wife. It was 28 years ago today that I stood for the first time as the, as the pastor of this church. 27-year-old young man and uh, getting ready to turn 20, 28 just a, a week and a half or so later. But, uh, and I uh, appreciate those who were here then. And uh, if, you, if you were here in the church, and uh, nobody will blame me for this, so don't, don't feel bad. But if you were here in the church uh, on that day, back in, or, or at least you were coming at that time, whether you made that particular service or not, but if you were here in the church when I first came as pastor, would you mind standing? Let me see who we have here that is still with that. I know it's Kirsten's up there. And the uh, rest of the congregation, you can either thank these folks or tell them what you think according to how you think the last 28 years have been. But I appreciate it. And uh, how old were you, Miss Holly, when I came? Ten years old. Isn't that something? Now she's 15. And I, and I, and I love that. Miss Kirsten, how old were you when I came? I think 15, 16. In, in that ballpark. And now four of your youngins here. And that's amazing stuff. I love it. And uh, that's as far as I'm going asking that question. <laughs> Brother Brian, you were, were you the same age that Caleb is when I came? I, I had to be a little bit younger. Yeah. 15, I think about 15. About 15 when you came. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, watching you all grow up. Pardon? No, not a day. <laughs> so, so there you go. Sorry about that. Thank you all. And uh, I want to say thank you and we love you from my wife and I and for those who also not, could not be here, could be represented. Thank you for taking a chance on that 27-year-old young man who uh, uh, not pastored before. I'd already been preaching the gospel a good while, but uh, appreciate that. And, and thank you also for letting my wife and I grow up in the ministry here as our church grew up. And uh, a lot of things have happened since then, and uh, let's, let's focus on the good ones and forgive the bad ones, all right? And, and thank God for it. All right, John chapter 21 is where we are this evening. And um, I want to talk to you. It's gonna, you're going to see there's, it's not the same message or exactly the same type of message, but I have been constrained of the Lord as I'm uh, studying and, and uh, praying over what to bring to the congregation. I, uh, there's a similarity over last, not not the last two messages, but the last three or four messages on a similar thread of thought. And uh, as I looked at it, I said, well, Lord, that must be what we're needing fed because it's coming from different books of the Bible and yet going on with it. And I want to talk to you tonight about the subject of staying on track, staying on track. And, and boy, we need that, don't we? We need to, in our everyday life, we need to know how to stay on track for the Lord. We need to know how to not live in a spirit of fear, but in power and love and a sound mind. That's the heritage of God's people. We need uh, to have a sound mind as part of what God gives. That means proper reasoning and rational decision-making and, uh, and doing things according to faith, that we believe what the Word of God says, and we believe as God's people we ought to be prudent people, we ought to be wise people, but we ought to be wholly trusting in God and being, uh, being first relying on His Word wherever He takes us. And if we do that, it gives you the practical strength day by day to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, be in it not just for the short experience, but for the long haul. There are some people, that they go up quickly and uh, they, they sprout up. They're just exactly like what the Bible talks about, those, uh, the seed that falls on the stony ground and they shoot up fast, but they have no root. As soon as there's persecution for the Word's sake, as soon as any pressure comes on because of living right, they wither because they have no root. 
And uh, we don't want to be that type of people for the Lord. And the only way that we won't be is by trusting Him. And by trusting Him, that means obeying what the Word has to say. I'll give you something tonight to be an encouragement to you. We're familiar with John chapter 21. You're, you've been taught out of this, uh, this chapter several times. What we had here was Peter, after that the Lord had, had uh, been crucified, had resurrected, and all these things had happened. Uh, the, Peter had, of course, denied the Lord three times. And, and he finally he said, I go fishing. And he wasn't just talking about getting a cane bowl and some, you know, some worms and heading down the creek. He was a professional fisherman. He was going back to that. And he didn't say who's going to go with me. Peter had a natural leadership about him that the Lord ended up using. But I, I can't imagine being the one trying to disciple Peter. I'm glad it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> that man, I'm telling you, has a lot of horsepower, but not necessarily always a steering wheel on him. You know what I mean? And, um, and yet... He, uh, he loved the Lord, and, and, and yet he had got himself, and we're, I don't know what all went through his mind. The Bible doesn't reveal it, so I will not, I'll not enter into that. But uh, what I do know is he said, I go fishing, and six other disciples went with him, and there ended up being seven of them out there. They're named, and they're out on the boat. And you know what happened? They fished all night. They didn't catch anything at all. The Lord comes along. He's on the shore. And uh, they're about 300 feet or so out. And, and uh, the Lord says, hey, children, have you any meat? He said, you catch anything? No, you know what he said to do. Move the net to the other side. And of course, at that point in time, they had this great uh, haul of fish coming in and the net didn't break. And uh, boy, they realized when they realized it was the Lord, they come up and what did the Lord have for them? You look how gracious Jesus is. He, they fished all night. They didn't catch you anything. I bet they were in a great mood. And, uh, and uh, he, he already had the bread and fish ready for them. Already had it ready for him. And they came out there. And of course, you know what he asked Peter. He said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Different conjecture on that. I lean heavily towards him comparing uh, that towards, you really love me more than these other disciples? Because remember what Jesus had said. Jesus said, this night shall all of you deny me. And Peter said, all may deny you, but I will not. In other words, you think about how arrogant that is. He's got the other disciples here. They'll deny you, sure, but not me. Well... Jesus says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And he said, Lord, thou knowest I love you. And Jesus didn't say, no, you don't. And he didn't rebuke him. Peter did love Jesus. Just because Peter had a failing didn't mean there wasn't a heart that loved Jesus. Amen. It's as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should never, we should never endorse sin, but we better get down to loving people and realizing that the best of us that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we need the Lord. And so we've got to be able to help and to build one another. I've told you before, you as the body, it is your job to edify one another in love. I'm to teach you. I'm to feed you. I'm to bishop this church and lead the flock. But it is your job to edify one another in love. And as you grow in grace and you keep going, you will learn more and more how to do that. Well, lo and behold, Jesus didn't leave it with just one time, did He? And he said to him, after Peter said, Lord, thou knowest I love you, he said, feed my lambs. That's interesting. Then he asked him again, Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said, Lord, thou knowest I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Paused again. Peter, son of Jonas. By the way, by calling his father's name, he kept pointing back to what Peter had left to follow Jesus. Because he left being a professional fisherman and left following what had been his father's vocation. He said, Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And finally Peter says, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest I love thee. And he said, feed my sheep. You remember that, don't you? And then what happened after that? 
No sooner did that happen, Jesus said, follow me. He just repeated the same basic command. And by the way, when you find yourself getting kind of fuzzy on what you're doing, when you find yourself kicked sideways by your own bad decisions or by the devil or whatever happens, what you need to do is get back to the basics of what you know. You get in the confusion and you get in the smoke of trying to figure out a bunch of things that are confusing in your life and a bunch of things you may not even be able to get an answer to. You'll go put yourself in a death spiral. You'll spin down. I'm going to tell you what you have to do. You have to get back to the basics. There are times where every Christian, I don't care how well versed you are in the Bible, I don't care how long you've walked with God, every now and then you've just got to step back and say, okay, let's get some things settled. That Bible is the Word of God. That is God's Word, divinely given them perfectly preserved. That's the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Thank God for it. I know that I'm saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that His blood was shed for me, that when He rose with power from the grave, and when He rose in, and on the cross, when He said it is finished, it was finished. He did all that was needed for my salvation. I know, I know whom I have believed. You just got to get back to the basics. And keep operating with that for a little while until you get back where you can breathe again, back where you can, you, can, you can make some sense of things, and then go forward for the Lord. The Bible teaches this throughout. He said, be still. That's hard for us, isn't it? And know that I am God. He said, there's times you just be still. The Bible says, having done all, stand. Stand therefore. And then he goes on and tells us how we would be equipped with the full armor of God and such things as this. But here, Jesus deals with Peter and he says, Peter, you've went off track and you need to get back on track and here's what you need to do. I'm talking to you about staying on track tonight. Well, you know what happens right after that. No sooner does Jesus say, follow me. What's Peter do? Yeah, exactly. He says, he points towards the Apostle John and he says, what will this man do? He <laughs> just Peter. Okay, all right, follow you, got it. What's he going to do? Then Jesus rebukes him. And he said, if I will that he continue until I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. He said, Peter, can't you get this straight? Follow me. Of course, Peter did, didn't he? Yeah. Then we see on the great day of Pentecost, 3,000 people coming and being to Christ and being baptized the same day. We see... God working through, and eventually Peter does lay down his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had to grow. It, some things had to happen with him. Talking to you about staying on track tonight. How many of you have known Christ as your Savior for at least 10 years, 10 or more years? Let me see your hands. That's a big part of our congregation, isn't it? Some of you are new in the faith. Just got saved. Scott, you're two weeks, right? You just like, saved two weeks ago. And <laughs> thank you for punching her in the head. Um, <laughs> Don't start a fight until after the service. <laughs> he says, I'm so happy. Whap. Um, but you've been, on, you've been on the track for a while. It's easy to get distracted. Um, I loved what Brother Roloff used to sing. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Run if you want to. Run if you will. But I came here to stay. I'm interested in the long haul. I'm interested in staying at. I think you are too. Well, there are three things that jumped out at me as far as this uh, whole account goes, and they're very simple. One of them is not as evident as the other two may be in, in conjunction with what I'm telling you tonight. But when Jesus comes to Peter and he gives Peter reissues his marching orders, when he comes to him, he says these things. First of all, he said to Peter, he said, feed my sheep. And he began that by saying, feed my 
lambs. Uh, let me tell you something, church. We've got these youngins here. Some of them watching the preacher real good. Some of them half conscious. You know, youngins do. And uh, got a bunch of them. How many do we have back in that nursery this morning? There's a bunch back here this morning. Twelve children. All right, that's a bunch of twelve children leaping. Uh, and uh, there's a bunch of them. How many do you have? How many do you have in the four and five year olds in, in little church? Do you know? Twelve. Twelve. How many do we have in junior church? And that's first through fourth grade. Fifteen. Fifteen. Right at that. What What do we have in life builders? Do we know? Ask Brother Dan. Ask Brother Dan. Do you know? Do you remember? Fifteen total that time. There we go. In that age group, fifth through eighth grade. And 15 total there. And then here we had a total of 134 folks. But the, uh, you have these young folks in here. Not unusual to have that number and more in. Do you know about what the largest number of the four and five year olds are that you've ever had in there on a big day? We had in the, we had in the 30s. In, that room. in the 30s. 30-some kids. That's not just been just recent. But in that room back over there. Who knows with the junior church and life builders. has been a bunch. Uh, you ran into some people today out witnessing. While you were out there witnessing, they came to Vacation Bible School. And Deanna, the one who called and said, I want you to know I'm going to be there. She brought her, was it her, her kids or grandkids? Children to Vacation Bible School years ago. That's how she made connection with this church. All over town, you think of all the years we've run Bible schools and hundreds and hundreds of young people coming in here. And we don't do an open the box and do a Bible school. We do a Bible theme. We do it, well, they hear the gospel. They're dealt with. We, we lift up Christ and try to tell them about the Lord and how good He is. All over town, there are all these young folks. And we have young people come in here. Let me tell you something, church. We have a responsibility towards the lambs. We have a responsibility not only to be clear and loving with the gospel and tell them of the Lord Jesus Christ while their heart is young and tender, but we also have a responsibility to stay on track and set the right example, not only for them to accept Christ, but to follow the Lord and live a life that's according to godliness. And so what is this? He said, feed my lambs. You want to stay on track, get, get in the habit of trying to help feed. Amen. And they said, feed my sheep. Now, not everybody's supposed to be a teacher. And the Bible talks about that. Me not many masters, knowing they shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, there's a responsibility put on it. But I'm going to tell you something. There ought to be, there ought to be people growing in grace and finding out that they can teach others the Word of God. Suppose God gave us 50 more people right now. Suppose 50 more people just started attending our church. You know what problem we would have right now? Other than space. Do you know the problem we would have right now? The problem we would have right now is being able to divide down, especially if there were a lot of young people in that mix, to divide down and section out uh, teaching and classes so that they could receive basic Bible instruction on a, more, uh, on a smaller scale rather than a larger group. Why? Because we, we would be hard to outfit and have enough teachers. Got to be grown. Say, well, God want me to teach? Well, God will reveal that to you and me both if He does. I set the teachers in place. But it ought to be such a thing that if that's what you're supposed to do, you'll be ready to do it. Now, it's not for everybody. But you ought to live in such a way it could be. Now, I'm going to tell you what will keep you on track. What will keep us on track as a church is making sure that we can feed those who come. See, we have a responsibility to our Lord. You say, well, we have a responsibility to our community. We do. We owe a debt of obligation. The gospel has come to us. We're supposed to take it. And by the way, not just somebody who happens to come in our four walls. We're to take it out there. That's the commission is to go. 
And as we go out and do that, then we also have an obligation to teach and to love and to try to help them grow in grace. But listen to this. That's not our first obligation. What do you mean, preacher? Not getting the gospel, it's our first obligation. No, that's part of our first obligation. Our first obligation is to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's one aspect of being pleasing to Him. That's not the full spectrum. So what do we do? We need to feed my sheep. Hey, the Bible says, and it had to be written, that while some of you ought to be teachers, you have become such as have need of one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Why? Those were some of God's people who had deteriorated in their spiritual walk to a point where they were having to be taught the basics again at a point where they should have been helping the thing go forward. Let me tell you something. Church isn't something that just happens because it comes together. It happens because people get in and say, I'm going to do this for the Lord. I'm going to do my part. Yes, sir. See, no one of us is supposed to do all the part, but all of us together are supposed to do all, all of what God wants done. That's right. I love it when Jesus said the only prayer request that Jesus gave in the Bible, the only one that He gave that was a prayer request, He said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth... Do you know what the word is? Laborers. It is not the word artisan. And there's nothing wrong with someone who has a skill and a particular artistic capacity. But the concept of a laborer, and what that is, is what we call a blue-collar worker. Someone who goes out and roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty, and do something. Why? Because that's what it takes to, to, for people's lives to actually be influenced is somebody to care enough about them to, to really really get involved. And, and you say, oh, that'd be great. Wouldn't it be great? You know, somebody will see somebody and say, well, I'll tell you what, I think they'd be a great asset to the church. Right, let's quit thinking that way. Why don't you start thinking our church could be a great asset to them? Yeah. Our, our community does not owe us anything. We owe them the gospel. Yeah. I, Brother Carpenter knows this is my heartbeat. It was his long before he came here. And part is part of what drew me to him when we would talk about things at different pastors' conferences years ago before they were here. Well, she had left, but wasn't back yet. She had, she had caught the fish, but we hadn't reeled him in. Um, <laughs> but uh, as we talk about things, uh, the whole concept, uh, for instance, we run our bus ministry. The, the, the neighborhoods in which we run our bus ministry do not owe us to fill that bus up. We owe that, that neighborhood to minister to them. Are you ready for this? Whether or not they ever step foot on our property. That's right. We owe them to try to get the gospel to them. We owe them to try to be a help to them. How many of you know the tragic accident happened this last week? A young lady from Fairfield Union was killed in, in a car accident. I, I, I met, uh, I met uh, one of her very, very close friends. A fellow named Lowell. I mentioned it on Wednesday for a moment. There's a fellow named Lowell that's here in town. In fact, he's facing a heart valve replacement here in just a couple weeks. And he introduced me. He said, this is my granddaughter, Rachel. I said, Rachel, I'm glad to meet you. Well, then Lowell's wife, Clue Ben, said her is one of her best friends who got killed there in that car wreck. And I went over and I talked to her. I said, man, what a time. What are you facing here? And she, she was kind, but you know, she didn't know me. And I told her, I said, I'm trespassing. I said, and forgive me. I said, I'm not trying to. I said, uh, and they introduced me as a pastor. We talked just a moment. I got the blessed promise in her hand, talked to her a few moments, tried to give her some big 
resounding truth that just cares about her. I've only ought to seen that reaction. Yeah, I've seen her defense drop. And perhaps I misread it as defense. She didn't seem like a, a hard sort of young lady. But boy, when she, she said, oh, that's good. She had the Bible. She had some verses in her hand. You know what? She may never visit her. She may, she may be a saved young lady. I don't know for sure. In the context of what we're doing, I never got to get that far into it with her. She may be an active member of another church. It doesn't matter. If I can help her, she's going through a tragedy, which is very hard to handle at a young age. Why not? What if we tried to feed God's lambs? That's right. God's lambs. They belong to Him. Yeah. And God's sheep. What if not only we could reach people with the gospel, but we could encourage other people, whether, whether they're in our church or not, to keep going on for God and keep serving God? God help us to do right by this. You want to stay on track. You give yourself away trying to help others. Go on for God. You know why? One of the main things gets, gets, to get me off track and get you off track, and I'm going to tell you, I'm a pastor now for quite a few years, that I watch to get people off track is when we turn it selfward, selfishness and self-centered thinking destroys our walk with God. It destroys people's marriages. It destroys churches. It destroys uh, children, parent relationships, parent-child relationships, sibling relationships. When you start thinking the world's revolving around you right. and your needs, you you are on the way to destruction. That's right. But when we learn to give ourselves as Christ did, and that's what His Spirit will help you do, then we can stay on track for the long haul. Feed my sheep. Then, so the first thing I put down, if we want to stay on track, we need to learn to feed His sheep. That doesn't mean everybody needs to be a teacher, but some of you should be in the future. And you ought to be living in such a way that you can and that you can be used to that. Number two, very simple. Look in verse 19 of our, our text, which is John 21. I turned you to it. I talked to you about the Scripture, but let me show you Scripture with it. Of course, he said, feed my sheep. John chapter 21. Did I tell you the chapter I think that? Of course, he said, he said feed, my, feed my lambs at the end of verse 15. Jesus said, feed my sheep at the end of verse 16. Jesus said, feed my sheep at the end of verse 17. And then look at the end of verse 19. What are the last two words of verse 19? Follow me. You want to stay on track. You feed his sheep. You feed his lambs. And you follow him. Follow Jesus. I mean, you know that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me. And we sing these things, and it's a great truth. It's, it's even greater when we live it as a truth. What is it? Follow Jesus. There are people who are going to disappoint you. Sometimes the faithful fail. People turn aside. Entire congregations get taken out of action. But our God remains the same. There have been a whole lot of people who have invested and put things into my life for which I'm very grateful that I can no longer look to as examples for what I ought to be doing. Who are no longer in a position where they can strengthen and build. But thank God for what they did put in. I don't have to turn off bitter about what they did give me, which was good. And I will tell you something else. Did you ever break your heart when somebody you, you love, somebody that you look to, uh, uh, turned aside or quit or whatever they did? Yeah, it broke my heart. Yeah, it feels like somebody uh, punched you, sucker punched you, knocked the wind out of you. 
But after all that's done, they didn't save me. They didn't save me. Christ did. They aren't the ones keeping me. Christ is. They didn't call me. And the college didn't make me. It's the Spirit of God that gives the calling. And it's the Spirit of God that causes us to be able to follow God. And I will tell you, we've got to get our eyes on Christ. We don't want to sink neath the troublesome waters like Peter did. Although you got to give the guy credit for getting out of the boat. We don't want to be distracted aside. We want to follow Him. He said, follow me. If we're going to stand for the long haul, you've got to follow Christ. Why are you doing this? I'll tell you what. I used to believe that in the Bible and somebody taught me that, but then now look what they're doing. Yeah, that's the problem. You can see what they're doing, which means you're looking in the wrong place. I've got brothers that I enjoyed and loved in the ministry. I still love them. But they've taken their ministry to a complete different direction than what I believe is biblical. They've sold out to the world of the crowd. They've compromised on what they believe. They, they, they've, they've just shifted everything. I'm not talking about a slight difference. I'm talking about a fundamental shift in what they thought. I'm not going down the path with them. Say, so, well, isn't that disappointing? It is. But you know what? Forgive me how simple I am in my thinking. They're not the ones who put me on the path. That's right. Last time I checked my scripture, I am supposed to ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way. And I'm supposed to walk therein. Why? Because those are proven things. I'm not looking for the newest uh, theological and the newest church building fad. I'm looking to be able to, to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and love Him and care for the people God's given me to care for and preach the Word of God without, without fear or favor and let God's Spirit do what only God's Spirit can do, which is convince and convict and convert people. That's right. Really, it takes a lot of the pressure off. <laughs> Fellow young in the ministry asked once, he says, How do you get people to? And he's like, this, How do you get people to? Yeah, so, and finally, I'm like, You keep asking a question, you really need to get over it. He's like, What's that? I said, Keep saying, How do you get people to? I mesmerize you with my hypnotic eyes. <laughs> okay, that doesn't work. Some of you don't even stay awake while I'm mesmerizing you. Um, you're so mesmerized, you're unconscious. I have to, I have to reach you subliminally. <laughs> And that's if I had the power to, which I don't, I'm not supposed to make you do anything. Right. That's right. Oh, I oversee the flock, of which the Holy Ghost made me overseer, but I'm not to be a lord over God's heritage. That's right. That's biblical. See, that's how the balance is. With that said, you understand what I'm to do is put up to. We commend you unto God, the apostle said, and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up. God's Word will cleanse you. God's Word will convict you. God's Word will keep you. God's Word will teach you. All I have to do is get you God's Word. And if the Spirit of God is actually in you, then that Spirit of God that lives in you, the Holy Spirit of God, is the author of Scripture. Now, human penmanship is used, but God's the author of that book, not man. That's right. 
And so what happens with that is, if the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you while I'm preaching His Word, His Word has a connection inside of you. By the way, that's why sometimes if you wonder if that's in you or not, that's why your ears perk up to certain things. You'll be at a restaurant and somebody will start to pray and that interests you. You'll hear something that sounds like it's talking about the Bible. And it, it, why, why does that do that inside of you? Because someone lives inside of you. Amen. And so we're to feed the sheep. Then we're to follow Christ. Keep following Christ. I can't answer for what anybody else will do. Even those who are dearest in, in life to me. My family. I can't answer for what anybody will do, but I must follow Christ. I think a lot of you want to do that. And uh, God give you grace, you can. You can be in it for the long haul. Because that's what God designs. And then the last thing I saw out of this, not only do we see in verse 15, feed my lambs, verse 16, feed my sheep, verse 17, feed my sheep, and then verse 19, he says, follow me. Then, look if you will, Verse 20, it says, Then Peter, turning about, <laughs> turning about, there's the problem, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and saith, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, saith to, the, to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow Thou, me. What are the things to stay on track? Very simple truth. Feed my sheep. Get involved in giving yourself away. Get involved in helping somebody else follow the Lord. Get involved in being part of, a, of, of however you can to help people follow the Lord. So feed my sheep. And then what? Follow Christ. You ready for this last one? Forget what others are doing. Forget what others are doing. I know some of you have heard the illustration before, but I've been here a long time and I have a limited number of illustrations. Um, however, the real reason I use it tonight is because I, I, I've never encountered anything illustrate this quite as well as this does. Many, many years ago, before this building was here and that building was there, we had the old building that sat there and had just put in a little the parking lot and the, the property was still like it was when we came on here and the hill was there with all the trees and that. I said, we're going to have work day. So I announced this. And, and, and a good number of people showed up. That was, that was neat. And I took one of the men and I said, here's what I need you to do. And I had a couple of lists that was very organized. In it. I had a couple of lists. Here's what needs done. We got people going to show up. I'm trying not to waste people's time. I figure people who are working, taking care of their families, have other obligations, they're going to be good enough to take their time and try to do something with church and not, not to waste their time. He said to me. And so I, I had this ready to go, and I took the one man. I said, Here's what I need you to do, because I kind of knew what he was interested in and kind of things he did. I said, Would you please, when I give you a number of people, would you make sure these certain things get done? You figure out what looks best for everybody, but would you get these things done outside these buildings on the outside? Would you do this? I'll be glad to do that. Great, fantastic. I got that. Other fellow, I said, Look, I said, you got abilities and stuff. I said, this, this, and this needs done in the building. Would you please, when people come, just, I want you to make sure this happens. And then I'll be here, and if I have a question, I'll be working, doing things. But, you know, we coordinate. Okay, battle plan. Sounds like a great plan. It was a great plan for a little while. Until the fella inside came to me. He came first. And he's, Pastor, he talked to me. 
you know, you haven't worked here, so you hate here or something like that, you know. Pastor, I need to walk to talk to you. Okay. Kind of step aside. I said, what is that? I just happened to go by the window and looked out at Brother So-and-so, who's taking care of stuff outside. And I don't know what he's doing out there, but he needs to be... I said, what did I ask you to do? Well, I, I know, but he... Can you take care of this? Father, God is my witness when five minutes later, my outside fellow came in. Pastor, can I say to something? Uh, I, was, I was coming into the building and said, I'm wondering, are they taking care of this or are they taking care of that? Hmm. You know, it's one drive you have a mind left. <laughs> and I know, you may wonder if I have a mind left, but I wonder if I have a mind left sometimes. Can you figure that from that point, the efficiency of what we actually got done that day took a nosedive? Do you know why? Because someone didn't get the idea, forget what Albert's doing and do the job that's in front of you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a preacher brother called me and said, hey, did you, did, do you know about uh, or what's going on at such and such running church? I said, no. Really, you don't? No. You don't keep up with that? No. They said, why? I said, how do you have time to keep up with that? I'm trying, I'm just turning phone calls, I'm trying to return phone calls, I'm trying to reach people, I'm trying to pray for people, I've got people to visit, I've got work to do, I've got a bicycle to ride, I've got food to eat, I've got, well, let's get real, amen, uh, I love it, that's like, some of you ought to, you know, figure fishing or something in there, whatever you like doing in there, so you don't, don't blow a gas, but the, but the thing is, I, I said, get all this, I said, how do you know about all that? Now, if I'm going to be interacting and make a decision, you know, leading our congregation, then I'm going to know what's going on so we don't get mixed up in some nonsense stuff. But listen to this. It's not my job. Yeah. Here's some great freedom. It's not my job. As my sister likes to quote, not my circus, not my monkeys. It's a great thing. What's that mean? Last time I checked, we have not gotten to every household in Lancaster, Ohio, much less Fairfield County, Ohio. Last time I checked, there are still people within walking distance of our church who don't know the Lord as their Savior, who need somebody to love them. We have things to do and care for around here. Why can't we just get busy with what we're supposed to be doing and forget what everybody else is or isn't doing? Amen. Anybody ask me about national policy? I can fix it too. But nobody asks What if I just got busy with what's ahead? Got busy with what's ahead. Wouldn't that be good? You ever seen one do that? Have you ever worked with somebody who does that? They're always coming and asking what you're doing. and try. They, 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 nobody's made them supervisor and they think that's a great mistake because they are naturally inclined to try to tell everybody what to do. Yeah, anybody ever run into one of those at work? Yeah, all right. Anybody ever wanted to run over one of those at work? They got from my fork life. I can't tell you what happened. Um, Boy, that's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> and this old boy, uh, when, uh, when I worked at Ray's Roofing, he, uh, I got there and of course I came in as a peace worker and then was moved into management and such. And this fellow, had not, he'd worked there and then he'd quit working there for a couple months and then he came back and he would come up to me almost every day and he called me Mr. Phil. He had a very unusual voice. And he goes, uh, Mr. Phil, he said, if I hadn't left, I'd be crew chief now. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, let me take over. I'm like, uh, that's good. Uh, why can't I just get busy with what we're supposed to be doing? Sure, we 
we care about our brothers and sisters. And there may be time, and by the way, it's more rare than you might think, where it's appropriate that you can be a help to someone. You know, the Bible tells us, you which are spiritual, that we're to restore such one. What is that? To, that's to a brother that's overtaken in a fault. You were to a spiritual restore such one. You say, well, how do I know if I'm one? Well, first of all, your attitude would be right about it. You're not coming in to condemn you. You're coming in to restore. Right. Second of all, you have to have the relationship where it won't be resented. Third of all, the Bible says that you were to a spiritual. You're not walking with God. You need God to yourself. You're not walking with God. And you start trying to help someone else come up out of the pit. I mean, other than gives my gospel, you think you're going to help them. What you're going to do is end up in there also. You know it's not a real bright idea for somebody who can't swim and try to help somebody else who can't swim get out of the water? Yeah. You end up with two drowning victims instead of one. It happens in the spiritual realm also. I, I got to talk to somebody in another state this afternoon. I was, uh, I was talking about a little thing they had going on. I said, what you need to make sure, I said, you are not this person's counselor. Do not try to be their counselor. You're going to hurt you, and then don't, just don't do that. There's some other things you can do. And they said, thank you for telling me that. I'm afraid that's what I was getting ready to do. I said, what's well, it sound like what you were going to start to do, and you're, you're not qualified, you shouldn't do it. Love them. Point them toward the Lord. Be a help to them. Strengthen them. And you know what? If they'll do that, they'll do the most good they can for that person. Yeah. You want to stay on track for the long haul? I tell you, people blow themselves up. They they blow themselves up by not ever trying to give themselves away or trying to help someone else grow. They do. They become like this. Here's how people leave. Well, preacher, I just want to let you know the the, the the church just didn't have anything for me. Really? Nothing for you. You come to a service like tonight, that thing we did, there's nothing for you. Listen to me close. Something's unplugged in your wiring. The Word of God can be open and preached and there's nothing for you? Oh, you mean there was an activity that you enjoyed? Okay. It's a legitimate need for a congregation to have fellowship and that sort of thing. I understand that. It's even on the radar screen to try to provide more of that in the right context for a church. Got it. I'm bored. But listen. This thing, well, anything for me. Now, I've gotten to that point where I just asked, who have you tried to help lately? My all-time favorite. And I don't tell you how many times I've literally done this. Someone comes up, well, I missed three weeks of service. And I've gone to that church for this many years, and I missed three Sundays. And do you know not one person, here's what the language always goes to, not one person down there at your church so much as called me. <laughs> I let it pause. And I say, oh, yeah, something. When's the last time you called somebody who missed the service? Yeah. Now you're going to judge the whole church of where anybody noticed. It never occurred to you. It was so funny. My wife asked me, she said, son, did you get to talk to Brother Tim? I said, other than beating on the wall between our Sunday school rooms and harassing and saying howdy, I said, we didn't even speak to each other. This morning, it was like on the platform, that was basically it. I knew you were here because you were up here leading singing. Do you know that a person can be involved around here and you can miss them two or three weeks and not know they're not here? You just figure one of the other places grabbed them. Right. I, we've had a couple of ladies disappear into the nursery. We've never seen them yet. I don't know. <laughs> There's a time warp in there. Um, I'm having a little fun with you, but please. All I'm saying to you is, yes, it hurts if you feel like 
No one cares. But the answer to staying on track and keeping that from overwhelming you, because that can hurt. What the answer to staying on track with that is try giving yourself away and looking. Who could you minister to? Who could you look around today and say, hey, there's some someone here? And I'm not talking about where were you? Don't call them where were you, okay? You're not the, <laughs> you're not the attendance patrol. Go. Hey, miss you, Dave. Just want to let you know. Send them a quick text, anything. That might, that might make, make a difference in the world. It might, might make a whole lot more difference you doing it than me doing it. Well, he's paid to do that. Um, are you getting what I'm saying? So you want to stay on track. Learn to feed folks. Learn to, to minister to others. Follow Christ. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed to Him against that deed. Being confident in this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. My focus must always be brought back looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. This is how we do it. And then lastly, need to forget what others are doing and just stay on track. Yeah. Just stay on track. Man, the, man it, it seems like something has changed. Yeah? Well, maybe they have. But let's stay on track. Let's stay on track. Let me pray with you. Father, I'll stop right there. And uh, may your people seek to you tonight. May they be encouraged that they can. May they have a love for one another and be helpful. God, it's not a pleasant thing for someone to feel neglected. And I admit to you, Lord, that I as a pastor and we have a church have neglected at times. We don't want to do that. Help us to do a better job loving those who are ours. Father, I pray you'll bless tonight. May people be open with you. May their souls be open to you that you may do a work in them. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you come tonight? Don't even wait for the first note of invitation. Why don't you come? You ought to come. Seek the Lord tonight. Talk to Him. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, we can have someone step aside with you and show you in the Scripture how you can know through the Bible that Christ is your Savior. We have a song invitation. Why don't you come join these who are already with us this evening and come and pray for a while.